With you, as always, I'm Lisa Schmeiser with Philip Mozilek and Tony Sindelar. Hello. 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 Oh, good. In unison, even. Yeah. So this is how our summer episodes work. We're going to backfill in the first 10 episodes of season one. In our summer broadcast, we will be doing two episodes per each podcast. So tonight, we will be covering season one, episode one, which is the pilot, and season one, episode two, Fastest Man Alive, both of which originally aired in October of 2014. For our summer podcast, we also have a slightly different format. We'll still do a speedy recap to bring you up to date on what happened in these episodes. And we will, of course, have the immortal segments, I'm no scientician, and shut up, Cisco. But Conspiracy Corner is retired since we did have a satisfying season arc. Instead, what we will do is we will, we will launch the la la la, I can't hear you alarm for spoiler phobes who may be tuning in for the first time. And then... After the spoiler phobe alarm goes off, we will discuss how the these episodes play out over the season arc, what sort of cool stuff they lay down that gets picked up in later episodes, what sort of strings get dropped, if any, what's changed over the context of the season. All right, we're all good? That sounds wonderful. Lisa, you are so organized. Yeah, I'm ready to run. <laughs> Yay! Or, or something fast-like. Yeah, yes, fast metaphor. We're all ready to sprint and then eat 850 tacos afterwards. Always. Always right. ready for tacos. Well, yes, there's never a bad time for tacos. And then when you throw in the guac and the sour cream, it's a whole new equation. All right. With that in mind, I am going to count down three, two, one to the one minute recap. The first episode is the pilot. Like all TV pilots, what it basically does is have people exposit for, for minutes on end, such as, oh, my dad can't know that I'm in a secret relationship with his partner that started when you were in that long coma, Barry. And, oh, Barry, you can run really fast. Um. So yes, Barry, Barry gets struck by lightning, ends up in a coma, comes out of it world's fastest man, as it were. Uh, he uses his powers to stop Clyde Martin, who is robbing banks with his ability to control the weather. Uh, this is how Joe finds out about his powers. Thus endeth the pilot in episode two, Fastest Man Alive. We discover that Barry also has fastest metabolism alive and needs to eat tons to stay alive. He battles a dude named Danton Black who can clone himself. It's cool and it's creepy, and it also provides an excuse for us to see that Dr. Wells is not what he seems when at the end of the second episode, he gets out of his wheelchair and he kills somebody who's on the verge of figuring out what Barry is and how fast he is. All right, 59 seconds. That was it. <clears throat> wow. That was, that, was, that was pretty perfect. That was most, <laughs> most impressive. Especially for, Thank you know, you got to get two episodes. Yeah. So, well so, done. So, yeah. Um, one of the things Tony and I were talking about right before we started the podcast is both of us went back and rewatched these episodes, but we didn't do an exhaustive um, multi-rewatch, as it were. We both just watched them again once. So if we aren't uh, drilling down with our usual exhaustive level of detail, this, this is why we've just gone back and revisited the episodes. But one of the things that really struck me about these two episodes is they're so puppy-like like they're optimistic and shiny and happy and even though again barry's popping out of a coma and you know is my, my body it can do strange things and even though it's obvious that he has this this deep pain that he's carrying around with his dad being in prison his mom being murdered and all 
there's still this incredible sense of optimism about the whole venture. Like I've just discovered something, I can do something with it. It's really bright and, and shiny feeling in a way, especially when you compare it to the end of the season when all of these um, balls that, have been, that get thrown up in the air come back, back to roost. Like the, the overall impression from the first two episodes is that it's just, it's a fun show. I think that's really what had drawn me in uh, right, at the, right, at, right at the pilot. I mean, I was like, wow, this is really refreshing than seeing what I had been watching, what was, which was Arrow. Um, so kind of coming from that world, and I was like, you know, I like The Flash, but this show makes me really, really like The Flash because everything yeah. had a really just nice sensibility to it. Mm-hmm. And I I have several friends who are watching The Flash, basically have no interest in watch going and watching Arrow, and you know I think that's that's totally fine. I I mean I don't think you know there's the little crossovers uh, in that we we get the, you know Ollie shows up for one scene in the pilot, and there's yeah. some stuff that happens later in the in the in the season. Uh, no spoilers, but you're mm-hmm. not you know if you really like The Flash, um you may, that you don't necessarily have to go and watch Arrow because it is a pretty different yeah. show, and and they they do a great job right off the bat with establishing that this is going to be a different show. And I, I remember, yeah. I guess, you know, I was somewhat surprised by that. Um, I had expected, and, you know, we have in this, the kind of, in the in the first two episodes, there's a lot of flashbacks to his uh, childhood, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't get that as much later in the in the, in the the series. And I had thought that there, uh, you know, I, I guess just assumed that they would just take the Arrow formula and insert uh, the Flash and in, in Arrow, for those who are not familiar with it, every mm-hmm. episode is basically uh half present day and half uh usually someone's past usually Oliver when he's stranded yeah. on the basically Oliver's uh, expansive origin story that plays out over the course of years mm-hmm. um and is is sometimes exciting and sometimes tedious uh and there's a little bit of that in in Flash with with we get a lot of his child I'd forgotten about the childhood actor scenes um yeah. or with with little Barry mm-hmm. um but <laughs> I um, had totally forgotten there, I was surprised, and you know, I I like the pilot. It's it's a really strong pilot. I feel yeah. like it usually takes me a while to get into a TV show, mm-hmm. and uh, the Flash pilot is strong. Um, it's really it's, tight it's exciting. too. Yeah. Um, there's some stuff. There's the weird thing where there's stuff that clearly they tried out for the pilot and then doesn't come back later. Like I had totally forgotten. There's the thing where he's at the crime scene and he's looking at stuff and he gets the like thing, like you know, little measurements and numbers are popping up on the screen. And they that they abandon that right. We we I don't think we ever see that again. Yeah. That, that same kind of thing. Um, but it it's a pretty solid pilot. So you know, Tony, it's, you it's, you it's you br- tight and bright. Oh yeah, but you brought up like two different things there that like I I I wanted to kind of that's throw what I down do. I muddle with. things together. Right, but you you merged two ideas that I that I I was when I was watching it I was really thinking about. One is mm-hmm. Barry had a really good. I mean, he has a great head on his shoulders. And mm-hmm. he's a forensics guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, la, 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 that doesn't really get used a whole lot more. And I almost kind of wish it would have been, he would have been able to utilize that more. And kind of yeah. the role of the, the Batman, if you will, and being a detective. Yeah, they they kind of, I mean, I feel like, again... For you know, not really a spoiler, but mm-hmm. it is a little surprising later in the series where uh, the season. I mean, we don't. He doesn't really do that. That becomes kind of less of the Barry Allen identity, right? It's, it's yeah. His job is not really important to the character of the Flash later mm-hmm. in this version of the Flash, right? It's 
it's more about who he is and his dealing with his relationships with his yeah. friends and his family and and his you know struggle with you know identifying himself as a hero mm-hmm. um he does not spend a lot of time at work in later episodes no so, and, no and we just assume he's got super speed he can kind of cut a lot of corners um you know there's there's some shakeups in the administration so maybe he doesn't have the most attentive boss um so whether well, he's using yeah. superpowers or just you know <laughs> calling in sick a lot uh, yeah. not well, a lot of scenes in the cool. laboratory no what was interesting though um in the first two episodes is i had forgotten how much conflict barry and joe had in the very beginning of the series because um like the first two episodes are basically barry screaming you're not my real dad yeah until, like, i mean he like basically doesn't he, he literally even, like, say says that? that at one point? Yeah. Literally, until like like five minutes from the end of the second episode, he's like, "Okay, you were the man who taught me to shave. You were the man who drove me to college and dropped me off on my first day. You are my dad, and I'm a total jerk for saying that you're not." And like, I saw that, and I started humming the "My Three Dads" theme to myself because you know at this point, Doctor Wells is still like this creepily benevolent. Um, I just happen to host common patients for seven months and I have only two employees and I'm remarkably blasé about this apocalyptic event I engineered. Like, he's still this kind of weird, whifty intellect. So he's not quite to three dad status, but by the end of the second episode, like, Barry has his two dads and you you understand that this is him also working through the tremendous amount of guilt he has over recognizing Joe as a father figure as well. But I had forgotten about that conflict until we went back and watched it again. And then it's like, oh, that's right. He and Joe argued for, like, most of the first two episodes. And that never—that like all... that was never really pursued any further. I mean, it became yeah. kind of a, 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 a common theme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess he kind of worked through that. that. I mean, that's kind of the mini arc of episode two is, you know, uh, Dr. Wells convinces Joe that, that Barry has to become a hero. And then Joe's on the on that side, so they can kind of move forward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's the that's the big conflict there at first. Joe is his opponent to that idea instead of an ally. Then, then he's part of Team Flash, right? Yeah. Um, One other because yeah, his his original entrance where he's like, "All right, tacos," and everyone's like, "Oh, oh, good lord, oops!" And it's it it's it's great, and you see the beginnings of a season long convention here where, um. And we'll have to cover this later in the la-la-la, I can't hear you segment. But you, you do see that, that basically this is going to be the kind of show where Barry never has to come out to anybody about being the Flash. Because he's just going to get discovered being the Flash over and over again. So, And, and I like that that starts off early. Um. His mom said something very cool. And mm-hmm. it's real cheesy, but it kind of sets a tone for the entire season, um, which is... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes it's better to have um, a good heart than fast legs. Yeah. And that really has been, that's kind of Barry in a nutshell, even though he does end up having fast legs. But, you know, it, it, it's kind of over, you know, over the top on the nose, but it was really nice to hear. Well, that's, we once discussed the difference between Barry Allen as the Flash and Oliver Queen as Arrow, and the biggest difference is that Barry leads with his heart, and he's always had a good heart and a strong sense of ethics, and having the superpowers just helped him with that, whereas Oliver Queen kind of got the powers first and <laughs> then developed the moral compass as he went. Yeah. You know, like... Don't he, worry about all those people who got killed. Don't worry about it. Well... That was part of his hero's journey. Don't worry about it. Well, that's it. kind of the dramatic tension. That's like the whole dramatic engine that, that, that drives that show, though, is the whole, 
Oliver comes back from the island and he realizes that he can't outrun five years of, of you know, crazy arrow training and that the past always catches up with you. And that's been like the theme of every season is he has to reckon with the stuff that he's done and his sense of who he is. Whereas with Barry, Barry is just all heart or rather and, and a, a, a strong sense of what's right and wrong and a strong sense of mission. And when he gets his super speed, it doesn't transform him. It just makes him more of who he already was. And, um, you know, the theme of, of, of Barry becoming comfortable being Barry as he's simultaneously becoming comfortable being the Flash, that also gets set up really early in the episode, too, where it's run, Barry, and you're super fast, yeah. and let's see what you can do. And, and uh, I like that we, we get our first scene where they're like, in order to do this ridiculous thing, he would have to re- run X miles per hour. That yeah. seems impossible. He might die. And I was like, how many other times have we seen that? Will we see that throughout the season? Answer, many. Yes. Just keep, just keep increasing that number. It keeps getting more dangerous. But guess what? Yeah. Flash, Flash is going to run real fast. It's his special. That's so, his thing. Thank goodness that the first guy he ran into is somebody who could de- be defeated by running in circles, you know, counterclockwise instead yeah. of clockwise. So. That's like, well, that's that's great because it also shows you that that he, it's not just, oh, he can run really fast. It's that he uses his brains. Um, yeah. When and they I'm... did have the neat thing where, I mean, he diffuses the tornado and then yeah. that guy is like, well, I have a gun and I'm going to kill you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Joe shows up. So that, that yeah, you know, the Flash is not built for all situations, thankfully. And I really like that that's actually something they lay down early. Um, when, when we think about it, if you go back and review the pilot, like they basically lay down everything you can expect over the course of the season. Um, mm-hmm. That said, when you look at the pilot and the second episode, you realize which characters were either getting short shrift in the writer's room or, like, came in for some serious revision later, because mm-hmm. poor Iris is just... Yeah. Uh, we should, we, let's talk about that. Because I, I have to... And, the, you know, th- this is a problem throughout a lot of episodes, but I feel mm-hmm. like it's a particularly... Like, I have no sense of what Iris's even, like, age is supposed to be. In yeah. this episode, yeah, because she's is she a college student? It's not really clear, but isn't I is she the same age as Barry or is he older? Because he is, you know, he's got a career now, yeah. But like her maturity and intelligence is written really unevenly, and is, and it seems kind of she's written pretty juvenile. In, yeah, in it's these really vague. Couple episodes because she's like my thesis, and I thought, okay, it's it's plausible that undergraduates do theses. And yeah. that Barry was advising her on college courses and, and all that. Um, and I'm like, okay, so what we know about her is that she has, is, is that, and this is just me speculating at this point, is she, grad, my, my theory is that she graduated from college while Barry was in the coma. Because the reason he goes into the coma is he chases after the thief and there's all that business that goes on. Lightning strikes, blah, blah, blah. Um so my guess is that she's an undergraduate at the very beginning, and then somehow she's interning and working at a coffee shop by the time Barry's out of the coma. That's a good that's thought. She, I, I, could, I, and, could, I can stand, get behind that. You know, she's like underemployed somehow, but she's still, like you said, she reads as, as developmentally speaking, she reads as much younger than Barry, who has his own apartment and has a career and um, seems to be slightly more together. So according, unless, yeah. According to the Flash and Arrow Wikia, which is uh-huh. probably could how could that ever be wrong? Yeah. Uh, she is a psychology graduate student. That does not come across to me. <laughs> so. Well, not just that, but she's like, take the journalism option that you said. Um, journalism will be fun. You said I'm totally bored. And I thought this is not really how you slide into a career in journalism. Um 
<laughs> and if she's a if she's a psych, the if, woman who's been a journalist for twenty years. Yeah, but you know, but if she's a psych major, you know, yeah. you would have thought that she would have been able to read Barry a little bit better if they're yeah. going to pursue that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I mean it's it's she's a little it's like a little underdeveloped in general, right? Because it's like. Is she a student? Is she working at the coffee shop? Later she'll be a journalist. Like, she's kind of just wherever they need her to be. And, you know, sometimes she's a competent adult and sometimes <clears throat> she acts like she's, you know, like a uh, you know, yeah. teenager or very early 20s. But, you know, I mean, I guess that could be, she could be in her early to mid 20s and yeah. there's people who are kind of still figuring things out. And maybe that's okay, but it feels more like inconsistent writing yeah. than that is as opposed to a young adult navigating the challenges of transitioning from school to full adult. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and then there's the whole issue. She's dating a man who's a decorated veteran on the police force because Eddie is somebody who is a detective. So he's already done some time on the street, obviously. He's good enough at, at having been a beat cop that he gets a chance to be a detective, which would imply that he's late 20s, early 30s. And, you know, I have a hard time with, with okay, this is a guy who's obviously very good at his career. So he's dating a college student? No. So that, that, Places her a little bit older, but developmentally and career-wise, she's right in her early 20s. And it, yeah. it gets weird and confusing. And um, I realize, I realize you, is, have to keep, you have yeah. to keep Iris out of Barry's clutches for, for the season or whatever. And you also yeah. have to set up the tension, the fact that Eddie's just a really good guy. Like yeah. they make he is that the clear. most golden. Re- I've forgotten how golden retriever he is. Yes. Oh, yeah. He is, he is at his goldenest of golden retriever in these, these first two episodes. Um, like you. He, he he is not really he does not have a lot of agency. He just you know no. Just, you need a stick picked up and brought back to you. I am here. Yeah, so, it's you just... want to awkwardly kiss over here while Barry's in the same room. I am here. He's like thanks. Whatever for being... you need. Yeah, it's it's, so. it's what he's like. Thanks for being so cool about this, Barry. And Barry is like <laughs> literally dying a thousand deaths in front of him all. Ah! And and Eddie's just like grinning, and you can practically see the ding as the light shines off his teeth, and it's adorable. And mm-hmm. um. I hope nothing bad ever happens to him. Yes. Oh, Barry, if anything ever happens to you, this son will go out and every daisy in America will wilt. It's, it's like... <laughs> Eddie, I mean, excuse me. Oh, Eddie, I hope nothing bad ever happens to you. <laughs> and then, on the other hand, um, there, the Caitlin, I, was, I went back and I looked at Caitlin like, wow, she's been problematic since day one. Um, they, they... We're trying to write somebody who's brittle and damaged because she lost her fiance and her job in one night. And she's kind of holding on by her, her, she's kind of white knuckling through every day. And I don't think it's a limitation on Danielle Panabaker's part because I've seen her in other stuff. And she's, you know, she was great when she was on Justified. Um, you know, the girl can act, but I, I don't think they really gave her much to do with Caitlin other than like be a nag and, and come off as brusque. And it's just. Like the first two episodes, you're like, "Oh, this, oh, honey, no." <laughs> yeah, I think they you were go, feeling you go to it Arrow, out. They treat the women better over there, <laughs> right? And I, and that, that is really interesting that you brought that up because you know those two. It was almost like there were too many characters, and they just didn't know how to write for all of them. So it became kind of a a, a this and that um, yeah. of, of a mishmashing, and we'll just have them do this dialogue to get this. You know, mm-hmm. just to move, move move the scene forward. Now, like when she when she tells like when Barry's like, "How come you how come you don't smile more?" Which is like also like a super patronizing, awful thing to say to anybody. Period. But then it turns yes. out her response is like, "Well, my career and you know my career and my fiance died in the same day," and it's like, 
that felt that that was the very like I am a character and I'm going to tell you what I am feeling and thinking right yes. now. And it's like she should have just walked away and Cisco should have been like, dude, dude, oh, this never is what ask happened. Her. Like, yeah. And also it it you know, she's kind of tortured. I mean, she lost her career and her fiance, so that's that's pretty bad. That's and what I hear. She lost Dr. her career Wells and is, her fiance. Yeah. <laughs> The head of the uh, the Caitlin newsletter they put out every week. Um, <laughs> Doctor Wells is not happy, but then Cisco is just rolling with things. Cisco Cisco's gonna Cisco, but he you know he seems yeah. very reasonably cheery given that yeah. you know his career is also in collapse. He's employee number two at uh, yeah. at Star Labs, you know? a startup of three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, it's if they, I wish um, I wish they would have given us an explanation for why Cisco is so cheery, because like you point out, that is incongruous. And I'm wondering, um, there isn't a whole lot for me as a scientist about, so I'm wondering if we should just do the la-la-la warning and then head into, you know, some of the some of the gaps that we've noticed now that we're going back with the benefit of hindsight. Should we... Uh... I, I've got a big la-la-la. Okay. La-la-la-la-la-la-la, I can't hear you. La-la-la-la. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh-huh. Tony... And Lisa, the first time Hi. you saw mm-hmm. this. Hi, how you doing? Um, Hi. <laughs> knowing knowing what you know in the comic book world, because DC is not my not necessarily my forte. Did you automatically connect Caitlin Snow and more importantly, even Cisco as vibe? Did did you? I mean, did that instantly Mm-mm. jive? Uh, no. I had kind of Wikipedia knowledge of that. Uh, I've never seen, I've never read anything with Vibe, but I, like, I, I, I think I had read about that ahead of time. I had also read about, I mean, I, I recognized immediately, uh, Eddie's last name and like, mm-hmm. what's going on with that is Eddie Thawne, right? Yeah. And that, that one of Flash's all-time big villains was, is Eobard Thawne. And I remember there was a thing, like, you know, some, you know, promotional thing for the, you know, around when the pilot aired. And they're like, that might just be a coincidence. And I was like, really, really? You think you think we would buy that? That's mm-hmm. that's cute. Um, but so, but but I, I mean, I feel like they do that with with lots of different comic book things, though. And it's you know, the question is, is it a part of a long term plan and a, and a destiny for that character, or are they just sprinkling in like we're going to use a bunch of characters that you you know about, and you know they they made. They they may be there the whole season. They may be there a couple episodes, but they're not necessarily going to get to be where they are. You know, in the that first uh, Batman movie, there's a uh, a Harvey Dent, and that mm-hmm. Harvey Dent never becomes Two Face. You know? Yeah. So Bill, Billy D. Williams to... never gets to be Two Face. Oh, um, what a tragedy! It is no, yeah. actually because Billy D. Williams is amazing, and I love yes. watching him in anything. Um, uh-huh. No, so. the the thing. <sighs> I, I think this is the Cisco thing is actually I think where the writers realize that oh crap we had better we had better rehab this character though because like you said he's super duper cheery in the first two and he's just so happy to be working with a bitter dude in a wheelchair and a bitter lady in high heels and yeah. a guy who's hella fast and it's not until what like three quarters of the way through the season that we find out that he's the family outcast and mm. he's made the star labs employees, his, his substitute family. And he's happier there than he's ever been anyplace else. Like I wish there had been a throwaway line or two in either the pilot or the second episode where Cisco's like, you know how I feel about the rest of my life. This, you know, even the way it is now, this is better than it used to be so that we understand like mm-hmm. why he's all do, 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 
do, do, do, do, while everyone else is like, oh, wait, we work in a smoked out crater. The entire city hates us and buries fast. Uh, yeah. You know? Also, a, gor- a gorilla may be stalking us. Uh, you know. Yeah. Oh, so, and that uh, was, and you know, it that does... was in the, that was in the pilot. Was yep. it not? The grot. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. There's the grot sign hanging yeah. on the broken gate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I do kind of, it. you know, I mean, Barry and Cisco build a friendship kind of right away. Right. Yeah. And there's even in this uh, second episode where he's, zipping around and caitlin's like hey what are you what are you doing this is you know this is off yeah. book yeah right so they they do have that kind of friendship and you know i mean in the confines of the show they don't really have that many other friends so it's it's you yeah. know that that kind of work um, yeah yeah but it I'm... is tricky because we don't you know cisco is definitely more kind of annoying uh than he is uh Ugh. admirable and but but it, but at first he's kind of set up as like the cheery one compared to all the, you know, the pouty people in the collapsing star labs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little weak, right? Yeah. Um. It's, it's, and like you pointed out, that's something that, um, it's another interesting difference between Arrow and Flash is one of the big tensions in Arrow, at least early on, was that these people actually did have other friends and folks in their mm-hmm. social lives. And so when Vigilante World collides with, you know, their their friends and all that there there was an extra source of tension and here the characters do seem to operate more of a vacuum and i'm not sure if it's because barry was more of a loner and iris was enough for him or um you know they've they've never really explained it because he knows how to be a good friend Mm -hmm. and he knows how to build a rapport like you point out he and cisco by episode two they've already decided that you know cisco you're my ground crew i'm gonna run around and do stuff at 346 miles an hour uh, but, and, and, you know, everybody here has social skills. They, I guess they just choose not to use them. <laughs> but, um, what I do like is, is like you say, Eddie is the gold, most golden retriever of the golden retrievers. And Dr. Wells is, is like, they, they drop the hints on him super early on, you know, mm-hmm. with, I'm going to get out of this chair and stab some people. I had forgotten that it, I had forgotten that that was so early in the, yeah. in the season, right? Cause it's mm-hmm. end of episode one. He's in the spooky room. Yeah. With his 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 newsletter from the future mm-hmm. that is ominous, right? Um, yeah. And we know we know he's not. And then end of episode two, he stabs that guy, which is you know the the end of episode one is like okay, he is not who he seems to be. But he's you're like maybe he's sinister, kind of omniscient, maybe. But just then kind he, of pushing things. he yeah. gets up out of that chair and just you know stabs someone, and that you know I mean that guy and is not like, necessarily Whoa! presented yeah. as the mm-hmm. you know. A, a pillar of virtue and the nicest guy ever but mm-hmm. you know he's still it's still pretty villainous or, or anti-hero to just stab him right yeah um yeah and i had forgotten that that was like right from the get-go we got that um because uh, i guess then it, it, it then they start to to drip it out a little bit more mm-hmm. as opposed to like they've set the stage there and uh, then they'll they'll play it out slowly so, well i yeah. remember for me watching episode two was like gold because it was like mm-hmm. you had you had a great pilot, and then you went mm-hmm. into really considering like kind of episode one, like but it was episode two, but then now you have a clearly defined bad guy, perhaps, but or mm-hmm. you had yeah it was that question in your head of what in the world did I just see? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that in in rewatching it. To me, it it took a while before I stopped kind of paying attention to the villain of the week. Yeah, and this this may be because I'm a diehard Batman fi- uh, fan, and Batman is so defined by his villains. But the Flash, the villain of the week, is not the most exciting part. Like the mm-hmm. villain of the week is like 
the stuff that's got to get taken care of, and maybe you'll learn something new about your powers. Yeah. But the villain, you know, they, it starts, I had forgotten how early on, because I think I was still paying a lot of attention to it, that the villain of the week is not mm-hmm. the big deal so much as the other stuff, right? Yeah. Because um, the, the, the big, the, the conflict in, uh, in, in the second episode is not that Multiplex is, you know, completely unstoppable, but like, Barry, are you going to be a hero or not? Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. once you commit to that, you know, it'll take you, you'll have to do, you'll have to struggle to beat Multiplex, but you know, the, the big struggle is like, are you actually going to do this or not? Or are you going to try and, you know, be a civilian, be a friend of Iris, whatnot. Yeah. And I think they needed those stepping stone villains. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. in order just to kind of, well, first of all, he's no hero and yeah. he's got to do a couple heroic things in the midst. Um, and I, one thing that, you know, in the type realm is mm-hmm. they did kind of quash the, the eating, you know, that was kind of a big yeah. deal where he had to kind of, you know, keep his sustenance up and his energy level up and they have it. I, I almost wonder if we saw it later, like where he would pass out or something of that nature. You well, know, they mentioned I think, en- I think energy bars. Was it this episode or in, is it next episode that there's a, like a throwaway? Like I've made, I've made you an energy bar. In so this episode, I was just about to say in episode two, Caitlin has somehow by the end of it come up with energy bars for Barry to carry on him. That we'll never see. And that we'll never see. And so the head canon I have invented now is that his suit stays stocked with one or two energy bars. So that Barry can do his thing and then whorf a bar so mm-hmm. he doesn't pass out and then go back to whatever it is he has to do. And the poor mm-hmm. guy is probably like super sick of eating what are basically yeah. like Caitlin's cliff bars, but they're keeping him alive and they're keeping him from passing out. Um, Energy turds. I also thought, yeah, I also thought that part of the part of the point to episode two was to point out that that Barry does have biological limits because mm-hmm. um, that's this this show is really really good actually about pointing out the the fact that that there is no such thing as invulnerable everybody mm-hmm. has a weakness you just have to you just have to find it and barry's weakness is that he actually has a super fast metabolism um what i worry or rather dread what i dread about an upcoming season is is you're going to find some sadistic sob who realizes that barry heals at super speed and like decides to break his leg in interesting shapes or or something like that because that's actually like a medical thing is how do you treat somebody who heals faster than you can work on? Ooh, that's fascinating. I mean, I guess the gruesome thing is you re-break yeah. it, then it yeah. the right way. So, yeah. But, but yeah. It, it, uh, I, I have kind of like, I mean, there's the episode where he has those nails in him, and it's like, yeah, ah, that's, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that's going to come. Like, I would not be surprised if I don't need tetanus like, in my escapism. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if that pops up, like, in a future, like, Arrow mm-hmm. crossover, since Arrow is so gritty anyway, where it would be, yeah. oh, my God, one of Arrow's sick Rejagul types kidnapped Barry and mm-hmm. made his legs into origami swans, and it's awful, <laughs> and, and, you know, so. But this, when you think about it, like, the, these, these first two episodes do such a great job of... Um, setting up themes that you'll see running through the season, which is that Barry is determined to get to the bottom of his mom. And Dr. Wells uses that as a lever. Like even from the beginning, it's don't you want to write these wrongs? And he feeds into Barry's sense of being a hero because he knows it's going to naturally lead to Barry being all, I can save my dad. I can do this. I can do that. And that gets laid down super early. Dr. Wells being a shifty SOB gets laid down super early. My three dads is getting laid down really early in this as well. And, um, I got, I had time to watch the first two episodes and I went back and began watching the, um, beginning of the final episode 
And what's really funny is the intro to the first two. It's, I'm Barry Allen and I'm super fast and look at me, I'm a streak. I can save people. It's so cool. And he's really excited about it. And in the last episode for the season, he's just so tired and so worn down. And he's like, I'm Barry Allen. I have been betrayed by my mentor. He killed my mother. I have to travel back in time. There is a whole lot going on. I really don't want to think about why I have to handle this. And it's it's kind of heartbreaking to yeah. to because the contrast is just so vivid. This is a this is a man whose life has has been just wrecked over the course of a, of a TV season. And so you know when you when I watched the first two episodes and went back and watched the final one, I was like, oh my god, these these writers like just. I can't even imagine what it must must have been like to be in the writer's room and to say, okay, we've created these, this, this, you know, central city is the fun place and these characters are young and they're optimistic and they're excited about metahumans on some level. And then over the course of it, and by the way, they're, they're, their mentor and father figures about to betray them. Also, there is a psychic gorilla. Also, Clancy Brown <laughs> will show up at some point. Also, this is going to happen. Also, Wentworth Miller and his gun will show up. Also, <laughs> you know. Like you think about the sum total of everything that gets piled on these kids over the course of the season, and it's amazing how how like all of the seeds are there at the very beginning. Well, and the consequences, because yeah. if you remember the when Joe shoots, um, what's his name? It's the Weather um, Wizard's uh, brother. Yeah. Oh, uh, Clyde. Clyde Wait, Martin. This one's Clyde. Yeah. Uh, the Clyde, other, I figured... Clyde is the Ooh. Weather Wizard, so it's his brother that Joe shot, I believe, beforehand. Oh. Okay. But see, um, one that, of the Martin and, brothers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And but that has Mark Martin. Fa- yeah, Mark Martin. Um, far-reaching Clyde, consequences. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. one thing yes. that I appreciated with this show um is that you know, looking at it now in the bigger scope, you start to see that you know, time is a big factor and the things that happen at the very beginning have mm-hmm. have re- repercussions later. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's nothing ever happens in a vacuum on this show. Everything comes back to to haunt you later, or everything comes back to benefit you later. Although we don't ever really see that. Like for once, I'd like to also see an episode where we find out the people that Barry has saved, like, can turn around and save him. You know, that would be a nice moment. Uh, yeah. if, if, and maybe we'll get that. Maybe that's a maybe a that's season coming. two or a season yeah. three thing. Mm-hmm. I always think about there. It, uh, I don't even remember which Spider-Man movie it is because there's. Yeah. nearly infinite spider-man movies now but the the that scene where they, spider-man is knocked down and he's like in the subway car oh. people of new york rally to like and they gently pick him up him. and pass him back and, and yeah him and, like, that, and yeah. like i literally couldn't tell you which of the spider-man movies i think it's two it's a toby mcguire one okay but that scene sticks with me and i feel yeah. like you know that's something that kind of i mean that's something that works for a hero like spider-man or the flash mm-hmm. who is like this symbol it doesn't work for yeah like you're you're not gonna see a crowd do that to batman sorry batman i love you but that's no. uh you're not you know you're gonna you're gonna use a, a grappling hook to dart away before anyone could carry you to safe he, batman's like a cat where he's gonna be yeah injured, but yeah no, batman is like a cat in where he's gonna be injured ways. but nobody will know about it until like yeah. much later and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know how cats basically hide it until it's too late <laughs> <laughs> But um, no, what I also enjoy is, and I don't think they're ever going to get like a Batman on the CW, but what I really enjoy is how over the course of this series, Barry is kind of set up as the anti-Bruce Wayne in a sense, where they're both detectives. They have both been marked by the loss of parents. And yet Barry is is, is like, and I'm going to tackle the world with, with, you know, a belief in justice and I'm going to be a tool of that justice. And here I go. And Batman is like... I'm going to create robots and a car that frightens people, and I will be a vigilante. 
You know, I never really thought of it this way before, but like maybe Alfred was not the best foster parent. Joe West has done a lot with yeah. uh, with Barry, and maybe you know, like I, I have never, I've always thought Alfred was, you know, very incompetent, mm-hmm. very important part of uh, Bruce Wayne's upbringing. But maybe he was not yeah. qualified. Maybe, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, maybe, maybe there's You're crazy. something to that. Yeah. I mean, I like him, don't get me wrong, but, uh, you know, you have to admit that it was kind of a traumatic upbringing. <laughs> well, but is it any more traumatic than watching mm-hmm. your mother get stabbed? Yeah. I think what, see, one of the reasons I wanted to um, watch this again was, uh, excuse me, watch the finale again was I wanted to go back and revisit the scene where Barry revisits the scene of the crime because there there actually is like a beautiful bookending effect between the pilot of the show where you see the murder and you see the effects it has on people and you get this incoherent little, ah, what's going on? Versus like the final episode where you kind of see everything laid out and then you see like the moment with three Barry Allens and, and the oldest one is is shaking his head all no 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 and 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 keeping our berry out of it and and i wanted to see what the contrast was like if there was a difference in the way they were shot and presented because now that we've had this whole journey through this season we can understand things better and and i'm sorry i didn't get to that point in the episode just yet but uh even just going through the beginning the beginning was so striking and heartbreaking like Mm. compared to because the first few episodes barry is like still He's super excited that he can be a force for justice. He's super excited that he's been touched by something special. He feels really confident that he's got the support network behind him who will help him figure it out because he's got his two dads and his scientific hero and his new pals and the girl that he's secretly in love with. And by the final episode of the season, like he's got his two dads and the third dad who betrayed him. And um, he's terrified that he's going to lose his friends. And he knows that Iris doesn't love him. Or rather, she doesn't love him the way he wants her to love him. because She's already with Eddie. And, like, he's lost so much, and, you know, Grant Gustin just nails it. So it was just, it's it's really, I, I would also love to know more about the process of the writers room, like, if they all sat down and watched, like, the first two episodes and said, okay, this is where we began, hmm. this is where we have to get there, what are we going to do, you know? And, and the, you bring up the two dads, and we haven't even bring up, brought up uh, John Wesley Ship, who, yeah. for me, I never, I only watched a few of those episodes back in the day. But it was such mm-hmm. a nice thing to kind of have him in the throws. I thought he was going to be a throwaway character, like, here's our pilot feed, and mm-hmm. we're going to get rid of him, and you yeah. won't see him again. And that was, I thought that was really a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's all, here's John Wesley's ship. All of you guys who, you know, remember the Flash from the 90s, enjoy! <laughs> and, um... It wasn't like that. Instead, instead they build it out and they have this great relationship that they build up. And um, are... I had totally forgotten that scene with uh, uh, John Wesley Ship and the Flash's mother, where he's he's been bullied, right? And yes, and he's run away from the fight. I had totally I had forgotten that the mother kind of exists outside of a, the scene where yeah he dies right. I yeah. mean, she basically gets fridged, right? I mean, that's the Ugh, yeah point. yeah. She, I mean, that she, is she that's what it to is, be right? Fridged, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um. But yeah, I had forgotten that there was one other scene with her. So, mm-hmm. um. and it's, it was also nice to see the rapport that she had with her husband at the same time too. Where you get, mm-hmm. you, it gives you a really sounds terrible. It gives you a great sense for everything Barry loses. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Lost, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I liked it for that reason too. Um, 
and I'm trying to. I, I it, what, what? Who was the main bad guy in, in season in uh, episode two? Was that the mist? Uh, no, the uh, bad guy was Multiplex. Okay, okay. Ugh, I don't know Which why. Which honestly yeah. makes me think of a movie theater, to be frank. Um, uh, yeah. I also I, he's not as exciting as the direct Marvel counterpart. Yeah, oh, of him. Oh yeah, Multiple Man, right? No, is yeah, that, Jamie, is that... yeah, it's it's Multiple Man, Jamie Madrix. Who's yeah, Jamie Madrix is yeah. a way more interesting version of the same character. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, uh, I I love like his his yeah. ide- his multiple versions have. Because they like they have oh, identities, or they can go so, and do stuff and retain knowledge. Yeah, so he can, yeah. Like, he could send all his versions of himself to different colleges, basically. Well, oh, how fantastic! The of, what what he did at the beginning of X Factor, one of my favorite plot lines in X Factor, is Madrix decides he needs to know more about the world, so he makes a boatload of clones. He sends them all out at, with specific directions to be and do different things, and then um, a couple of his plot lines include hunting down errant clones or um, deciding. There's one really wrenching plot line, for example. Here we go, spoiling X Factor, but whatever. He, you know, it's been on the internet for years. It's over a decade old. He finds one of his clones has become an ordained minister and started a family. And um, he's like, "Dude, you have always known you're living on borrowed time. You're not an original person. You're my clone. I can absorb you, so I can get all your knowledge." And the guy's like, "You sure could." And then you could live with the knowledge that you've deprived a congregation of a really effective minister, and you're orphaning a kid. So feel free. And so Madrix lets him live. Um, and goes on to absorb other people, and but that's that was interesting because his clones are independent and can do things independently. Like there was more of a question of what is personhood and selfhood and independence, and I kind of like how they sidestep that in this case, where this dude makes what are basically like mobile mobile meat mirrors of himself. Like they're not independent. You're you're not going to see one of those his clones like peel away and go work in a Starbucks someplace <laughs> and fall in love with a girl named Tana and. You know, be like, I don't want a life of crime where I beat up people that you're mad at. I, I just want to make venti lattes all day and create pandas in the foam. You know, it's it's never going to happen. So you just so, said you just you just said multiple meat mirrors. Yes, that was fantastic. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I am blanking out because I did. I read a lot of the Flash uh, last year while we were doing the recaps. And mm-hmm. there was in the I, I started with the new 52 Flash. Uh-huh. I've read everything that they've released in collections so far. Yeah, and I forget if it's Multiplex or just another similar villain. But there is someone that the Flash fights early on who is like a product of a military experiment, and like I believe, like it's like he can kind of cut his arm off, and his he'll regrow his arm, but the arm cut off will also regrow like as a person. And they're like a mercenary squad. Oh, that's but so they, creepy. But they Ugh. they have like identities, and they are like there's. There's, like they have like they have names and they're like a brotherhood mm. and there are some that I think I, if I'm remembering correctly like are are less loyal to the mission or or, or others and mm-hmm. it's a much kind of creepier darker version of of um of that um, than what we get in episode two yeah. at least. Um, but you know that this was the CW version of that story I'm okay with that yeah um, you know it doesn't have to be creepy all the time you know no. and that's one thing I appreciate is that at least these clones weren't individual people as it were which there was the weird that and that was my one kind of i'm no scientician yeah but when caitlin clones the guy and he had his wardrobe but i guess he has his wardrobe when he i mean i guess that's just you know when we when we do cloning and time travel and mind swapping like you know, voice. You know, you can't we, there just are various have some naked mechanics. guy. You can't yeah, there's in the you know, corner there. I mean, and everybody, when you when people's minds get swapped, their voices yeah. also get swapped, yeah. so that the audience can follow along. Even though that doesn't really make any sense. No, I'm okay with it. It's it's their standard mechanic. 
keep the story moving on without them mm-hmm. having to go to a Kmart to get clone 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 wardrobe. Although it'd be super um, funny because especially if yeah. the clone got like all worked up, really, this is how you see me. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it, it was super creepy though when that clone got all animated. All of a sudden, I had forgotten yeah. like how I was like ah the first time I saw that, and and then it, then it happened. And again. Joe yeah. shoots him. Yes, right? Joe which is a little him. like, <laughs> did you kill someone? Was that he was not? I mean, it's. There's, yeah, no, Joe, you know, Joe, Joe, they, Joe they, not they do not stop to dwell on the like no. the morality of you know yeah. was that a person that we killed? Exactly. Joe is not hung up it's on like, the ethics. It's like no, next scene. You know, <laughs> Joe is not concerned about ethics. It's just like like when later in the season he shoots uh um uh I'm blanking on the name, but the guy who can basically absorb yeah. the character. When he when he shoots the the, the not Doctor Wells dude who looks like Doctor Wells, he's like, eh, whatever. And we're all, oh, oh my gosh! And Joe's like, nope, needed to kill him. <laughs> yeah, see, he he really ha- is very uh, trigger happy. I didn't even realize he's, that he's TV he's TV cop. He's not yeah, a real cop, he does right? I mean, not hesitate. He's TV cop. I mean, it's like you meet a real cop. He's yeah. Like, like, yeah, I've. I've fortunately never had to fire my weapon in the line of duty in 15 years. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know, once every six episodes or so, or, you know, first two episodes in a row, whatever comes first. Yeah. You know, um, look, look, yeah. the gun gets lonely and bored if you don't fire it constantly. Yeah. So no, there's some, um, I've been watching defiance this summer cause it's back. And that actually was the lynch. That's been a plot linchpin over several episodes is one of the characters is relying on another one to shoot and kill a very bad guy. And she won't do it. And he is livid with her because he's like, look, I, I need to be able to trust that you will kill people without question when I need you to kill people without question. And um, it is just such a great TV trope. I mean, in real life, you're horrified, and rightly so, at people who gun down other people, you know, under the guise of a shield. But on TV, you're kind of like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) Why aren't you randomly shooting and ignoring due process? (laughs) Well, and especially when last we saw... We saw him. He was on Law and Order, playing a you know a very different character. But, but they have the same wardrobe, though. Which true, very yeah, true. Yeah, have... He wears the same beanie too. I, that may just be the actor. Like maybe his head's cold all the time. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, they, I never saw him same. on Law and Order. Um, so I watch that show. I'm like the one person in America who doesn't. You're not. You know. Yeah. You're not missing. But uh, <laughs> no, it's yeah. it's. I knew he was on it, and I was, I was like, "Oh, the the dude from Rent grew up and got over I his stupid yeah, sellout rhetoric, and and, no, and got yeah. and and Tom Collins on Rent, yeah, yeah, and Tom Collins finally grew up and got a job, hooray!" Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably like the exact opposite message of what you're supposed to get from from Rent, but you know, I, I think I was too old for that musical. Um, <laughs> but yeah, these these episodes, it's so much fun to revisit. It's it's fun to revisit them, and. Um, it can be exasperating because, again, there's a big old element of shut up Cisco about it. And uh, I think they had to work. I think the writers had to try to figure out, okay, we, we clearly need a character who's kind of a fanboy stand-in. Now, how do we make him not as annoying as we imagine fanboy stand-ins are going to be? But, yeah, the Flash's lady problem is evident from day one. Yeah. I'll be unfortunate. Cu- yeah, it's really unfortunate. I'll be curious to see if they actually fix it in season two. Or in yeah. episode three. <laughs> or in episode three. Yes, that's Spoiler. Right. Spoiler. No. 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 <laughs> Spoiler. No. <laughs> too far, Lisa. You're going too far. Ooh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I mean, it is a show that is very, it is, it is, I mean, it's the, the father-son dynamic is such a theme. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that is, guess what? Neither the participants in those relationships will be 
uh, a woman, right? Right. So yeah. So it's, it's, it's you know it's but it's it is unfortunate that it is so um, that that the the women characters are sacrificed toward that because you yeah know, you can do both. They just they have not. Yeah, you make a good point. Well, it's it's um one of the things, and I guess I think the reason I keep bringing up Arrow so much is they shared a creative team and mm-hmm. they're in the same universe, but. One of the things that I thought Arrow did well was um, the mother-daughter relationship mm-hmm. between Moira, who was the mother, mm-hmm. and Thea, who was the daughter. I thought that was particularly well done. And also Felicity and her mom cracked me up on a regular yeah. basis. Like, it's Because they, they offer two different models for, for mother-daughter relationships and point out both the universal underpinnings in both and how class and class and circumstances can change your interactions between mother and daughter, too. It's in we haven't had an opportunity to see anything like that in the flash. Like the biggest parental relationships we've seen have been Barry and his three dads. We we haven't seen anything about, I mean, we had a few minutes with Cisco, but it was mostly, Oh, Cisco's the scapegoat. Well, and it's, and, and it's hard. There's all these women who yeah. are absent, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Barry's mother, we yeah. see killed. Yeah. Joe's wife. We don't know. We don't even know what's happened to her. You know, Dr. Wells, uh, Dr. Wells' wife. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so there are all these women that are, yeah. you know, that are missing. Right. And, mm-hmm. And some of them are kind of fridged, and some of them are just not there, and that's yeah. that's unfortunate. I, I'm still really holding out hope that, like, season two, there will be a kind of reorganization of Team Flash, and mm-hmm. that, like, you know, Caitlin Snow is going to have to kind of become, like, lead science science captain. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I could see that it, there's stuff about, you know, will the, will the actor who played Wells be back, and will mm-hmm. they do something, or, you know, I or will... You know, I would be really disappointed, for example, if, like, Dr. Stein is just hanging out there for a couple episodes filling that role until they get some version of Dr. Wells back. Um, It's interesting that they feel like they have have to have a father figure in the lab. You know, it'd be nice to see. But I feel like Caitlin has more potential to me than Iris. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it would be interesting if there was, like, a mother figure who came into the lab instead. And these people mm -hmm. who are used to dealing with, like, a a dad science dad and, and and all of that are all of a sudden it's a science mom like what is that like we i don't know if we've ever actually seen a science mom on a nerd tv show like this so you know it would be exciting yeah the closest i've been watching uh the 12 monkeys mm-hmm. show that i think yeah. you recommended yeah. as a time travel show and you do have kind of the you know the, the expert science yeah um woman there who's kind of the pulling all the strings but yeah. it is not a common yeah so we need to wrap this up because we've actually hit um yeah we've hit about our 45 minute limit i realize we're hitting two but again some are so truncated what are some of the things that you guys let's wrap up with what are some of the things you guys are watching while we're waiting for the flesh to come back you know you mentioned you just mentioned 12 monkeys uh tony anything else uh i i've watched the first couple episodes of uh mr robot uh, Mm -hmm. on usa which is a show about a uh, kind of paranoid hacker in New York City who's kind of uncovering this conspiracy and getting and wrapped up in it. And I was, uh, I've I've been kind of a hesitant fan of a bunch of shows on USA. I find them usually fun, and so mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'll check this out. And I was surprised how good it was. It yeah. seemed like usually USA has these kind of light, goofy shows, and this one was kind of kind of dark and but also pretty interesting. Uh, the other show I'm enjoying uh, for a summer show, uh, season two of Halt and Catch Fire, which mm-hmm. is kind of this. You know, period piece about the uh, the computer revolution, and uh, I'm enjoying that. So that's on AMC, okay. I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's my summer illiteracy. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, <clears throat> I I you know after True Detective last last year, I was immediately you know thrown into the grips of do I or don't I, and so I am doing True Detective as a podcast as well. So 
you know, that's one show that I'm keeping up with. However, if I could have chosen sooner or later, whatever case may be, I would have looked at Wayward Pines. I really have started to enjoy that show, and it's it's very um, the twists in it uh, off the start were really good, and I let, I, I want to see where it develops. Excellent, excellent. Um, about you, Lisa? Um, so I'm still trying to finish up Daredevil, which I'm finding on Netflix, which I, I, is very intense, and um, I want to be able to pay attention to it. So mm-hmm. it's been a challenge to carve out enough time to watch it to resist the binging and to get to bed after an episode or two because I'm all yeah afterwards. It's good for um, you. Yeah, I have been watching um, season three of um, Defiance on Sci-Fi. Uh, mostly because I think Tony Curran is fantastic in it, and uh, the show has taken a slightly darker turn than previous two seasons, which I applaud because in one fell swoop they wiped out some of the most tiresome cast elements. So that's always fun. Um. <laughs> that's interesting because I used to watch it, but I kind of phased away from it. In fact, uh, the fact that you said that you were watching, I was like, "Is that show still even on?" It is, and they've they've gone dark, and um, the act. Oh God, he's been on Oz. He's been on everything um and i'm blanking on the actor's name uh lee turgeson lee turgeson is there this year as as the big as the big baddie and he's seriously disconcerting and very very good under like the the billions of pounds of makeup they force him to wear so i've really been enjoying defiance and um my husband is uh recapping halt and catch fire for previously tv so i i'm kind of absorbing that dermally but like tony i really got into mr robot and I uh, love that we di- we aren't really sure if Christian Slater, the Christian Slater character, is real or just a figment of the the protagonist's imagination. So that that's always an interesting thing. And for pure, this is ridiculous fun. There's a show on CBS of all things called Zoo, which is like, what happens if the animals finally have enough of us? And as somebody who is an inveterate, um, I always side with the animal when I hear about like animal <laughs> attacks. Um, like there was that dude who Happy Shark Week. Yeah, I know it's the greatest. There was well, no the really sad story from last week. There was that dude who jumped into the alligator infested waters and got killed over the Fourth of July weekend after screaming "F the crap, F the alligators." Like, that's what you F- get. That's, just, that's yeah, that's like well, that's... his idiot friend like hunted down the alligator and killed it in revenge. And I was uh. so distraught when I heard that because all the animal was doing was was. Yeah, alligators are alligators. Except, That's not on them. Yeah, no. So, like, so it, turns out there's a lot of places you can go that alligators that can't. So just can't go, yeah. and alligators are just where alligators are. Leave them alone. Exactly. Yeah, leave them alone. They're. It's not like they're. We get so much anti-alligator hate now. So. Well, you know what? I I like alligators, and unlike the alligators in Australia and Africa, the American ones don't climb trees. So back off. Um, yeah. Anyway, the point is. I'm usually pro-animal, and so this series is just delightful because it's awful. And again, you get to root for the animals. <laughs> and best of all, I can pretty much watch, like, have it running in the background while I'm doing something else, like, you know, flipping through a comic book or writing So What, Who Cares, or, or doing something, you know, that requires, like, half of my attention. So, so that was it. Welcome back to the Flash Flashcast. We have missed you. We have missed talking to each other, and we are so thrilled to be able to whip through these. Um... The only bad news I have for everybody is it looks like the series, if, if this year is any indication based on last year, we won't be talking about ser- season two until like October, but we'll make it work. Gross. They, yeah. annou- they announced the date. It was in October. Yeah. What? That's, that's so long from now. Yeah. Um, so, but mm-hmm. you have other ways of hearing Tony and Phil and Lisa talk about it. Exactly. So, um, that's right. All right. There's, 
more than you could ever need. Thanks. Or maybe just the right amount. I don't know. Maybe. Or maybe. <laughs> I'm not going to judge you. Yeah. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll branch out to other things to talk about too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We're getting loopy. Um, so with That's that, what I, do. I am going to wrap up. Um, I'm, I was going to say I'm going to wrap up. Tony, Phil, and Lisa talk about the Flash. I'm going to wrap up the Flash Flash cast. I am Lisa Schmeiser. Uh, I'm not Tony. No. I am Tony. Okay. Good and, night. Uh, that has been your flashcast. <laughs> Good night. Thank you.